0: with me to the book of Acts, chapter five. Several people have mentioned this study, and I'm, that it's been a help to them, and I'm, I'm encouraged to hear that, and I pray that the Lord be pleased to speak to us again this evening. We'll be looking at verses 17 down through 33. I don't know if I'll get all the way down through verse 33. I don't want to just rush through it. We looked at last week how that it said great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things, and by the hand of the apostles were many signs and wonders done and God was manifesting his glory. He was, made, he was adding to the church daily such as should be saved. We know over 8,000 over 8, were converted and many others were converted because God was moving. He was speaking through his people. But we're going to see. We, we saw a couple of weeks ago in chapter 2 the beginning of persecution, the beginning of affliction. Because remember, he instructed them. Before you take the gospel into all the world, you are to begin at Jerusalem. What was that Jerusalem? That's where the temple was at. That's where all the, the works religion was at, was in the temple. That's where the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, all those, that's where they were at. He said, you take the gospel to them first. Remember our Lord said one time, he said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel he said Jerusalem Judea Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the earth and that's what you see happen in this book of acts they've not left Jerusalem they're still here and god's working but can you imagine what these now these are people that have ruled for years they ruled with fear that's why men try to use the law to beat people over the head. They like the control they like the intimidation. Well, you better do this, you better keep this law. you better do this, and the whole time they they got filthy rich L- Look at any religion, especially Catholicism. all the gold what a what a waste on statues and in all these buildings when they could a when they could help somebody that really needed it. It's like a few years ago, where was it? They had that flooding in Houston, Texas. And once that guy has that big church out there, uh, I can't remember his name, but it doesn't matter. You know what he did? They, they, they uh, accused him. They said, You wouldn't even open your building where people could come and have a warm place to stay. You know what he did? He got out on his yacht. Out on the river and went up the river, passing out tracks. I remember his name, old Smiley Joe Holstein. <laughs> now, Holstein is Holstein, <laughs> but you know that's sad. It's really not funny. It's sad. But this is what was going on. These people had been in bondage for thousands of years. They had been told you can earn your salvation. It's by what you do, by what you do. And it's not by what you do. Back in chapter 4, we see one of the first examples of the persecution. It said, chapter 4, verse 1, And they spake unto the people, And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the the Sadducees came upon them, And they were grieved because they taught the people. They didn't want anybody else teaching the people. And they preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in the hold until the next day for now, for it was now eventide. Now in verse 18 of chapter 4, and they called them and commanded them not to speak nor to teach in the name of Jesus. Don't you preach any more in his name. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge you. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You always tell them, we're not going to be quiet. You can threaten all you want. We're not going to be quiet. They may try to intimidate the Lord's people, but all through the ages, God's people have stood because God enabled them to stand. Having done all to stand, what does it say? Stand therefore. Martin Luther said, here I stand, I can do no other. He stood alone outwardly. Paul said one time, all men forsook me, but the Lord stood with me. And I can tell you this, if you know that you're preaching the gospel and this is the truth, they won't anybody intimidate. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. I don't care what you see on TV. I don't care what you hear. God's on the throne. He's on the throne. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. cause of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. You know what they were? These rulers were afraid of something. What are you going to do? 8,000 people have been converted and these people are, are listening to the gospel and these people said, well, if we, if we do something it's going to make these people mad. They're going to have a ride on their hand and they don't want that. You know why? Because Israel's not self-governing. Israel is under the authority of the Roman Empire. They'll get an uproar and they'll have a whole army come in and they'll take care of it because eventually they did in about 40 years. But here in verse 17 then the high priest rose up and all they that were with him with the high priest which is of the sect of the Sadducees and they were filled with indignation and they laid hands on the apostles and put them in the common priest I mean common prison the high priest who is that he's the high priest he's the top dog you know, under the Old Testament, the high priest was the one that made the atonement, the one that got to go into the holies of holies, and he was chosen. This was the high priest; whatever he said went. And then it says the Sadducees. Now, what? What's the difference? There's differences between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Somebody said something, and it was always it was a little humorous, and I and I remembered what what they said. They said. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't. That is why they're so sad, you see. But you imagine the Pharisees did believe. But can you imagine the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection? And Paul and Peter is preaching what? The resurrection. I said, we don't believe it. They were, they more, were the more liberal, the more broad minded. They didn't agree with the Pharisees on a lot of things. They didn't like the pagans. But they could tolerate the Pharisees and the pagans when they both believed in salvation by works. Most religions can't get along. Most churches can't get along. Most churches are started from splits. But when it comes to gathering in, it's like Herod and Pilate were Herod and Pilate, they were not friends. But when it comes to killing our Lord Jesus Christ, they become friends. The gospel of God's grace was an offense. It's offensive. It made them mad. They were filled with indignation. What does the word indignation mean? It means they were filled with envy. You remember what it said about Joseph's brother, Joseph with the coat of many colors? You know what it said about his brothers? They envied him. Why did they envy him? Because the father gave him the coat of distinction. It singled him out. They envied him. It also means they were jealous. It also means they resented. They resented it. You you think about it. We've been here all these years, these Pharisees, these Sadducees. We've got this all sewed up. They ain't nobody. We've been playing this game for years. We've got everybody convinced what we're saying is the truth. Nobody questions. And here comes John the Baptist, and then here comes our Lord, and he exposed. They resented it. You know what? Men resent you telling them the truth. You can lie to them all day long. They don't, they don't bother them. But they resent. Don't you tell me I ain't right. I heard someone actually make this statement one time. Somebody. Reprove someone. That's what I just read to you. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, and that's what the preaching of the gospel does. Someone told someone and said, said what you're doing is wrong. They said, Don't throw that up in my face. They resented it. You know who they resent? They resent him. That's it, they resent him. The enemy of men's souls cannot stand to see sinners delivered from the bondage of sin. It says there that they laid their hands on the apostles. Not just Peter, all of them. And they put them in the common prison. They basically came and grabbed them and put them in prison. You put yourself in their shoes. You imagine what they thought. Well, they knew they were in the Lord's hands. But sometimes the Lord allows even civil authorities. They did this. Nobody disputed what they did. They put them in the common prison. The common prison was where malefactors were put, kind of like, remember Barabbas, he was a malefactor. They put them there for greater security and for greater disgrace. We're going to put you in there with the worst of the bunch. Why would they do that? They wanted to make a statement. Don't cross us. If we can do this to these men, we'll do it to you. Just stay in line now. Don't get out of line. They wanted everyone to know that you don't cross the religious leaders. They'll try and disgrace you, and they will try to put you into prison. We're going to see this. This gets this goes on. We are going to eventually see that Herod arrest Peter and I mean James and Peter, and when he arrested James, eventually he killed James, and he meant to kill Peter, and God delivered him. Remember this. There's so many things we can learn from this book. We are kept by the grace of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He prepares a table before for us in the presence of our enemies. And there's not a thing the enemy can do about it. If they could, they'd be like a bunch of wild wolves just come in here and try to rip the sheep reads as Paul was writing to Timothy in chapter 2 in that book chapter 2 uh, second Timothy was the last book that Paul wrote most people believe he knows he's going to be beheaded and he says second Timothy 2 verse 9 wherein I suffer trouble not as an evildoer even unto bonds, but here's what he said, the word of God's not bound. Why did they put them into prison? They thought they could bind the word of God because if, you, if you, take, you remove the preachers and bind the preachers, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to bind the word of God. They did not want people to hear the gospel. That's how it's always been. You heard me say hundreds of years ago, the Catholic Church would not allow just the common people to have a Bible. You believe what we tell you, it says. Don't question us. Here's what it says. It talks about purgatory. It talks about penances that you can pay, indulgences. That's what it says. Don't question it. Here come a guy like Martin Luther, who was a German monk. You know what he did? He saw what they was doing was nothing but works. He saw where it said we're justified by faith, not by works. And you know what he did? He said, "I want to translate." He was a German. He said, "I want to translate the scriptures into the German language, so my people can read the Word of God themselves." Have heard of the first printing press? You know what it was used for—to print the scriptures. Isn't that amazing? Why did God let us have a printing press to preach to print the scriptures? Ain't you glad you have what you have tonight in the palm of your hand? What is that, preacher? Why, it was just leaves and leather binding, and but what it contains, it contains the inspired word of God. But men don't want you to hear the word. You don't, you don't you don't you don't really believe that do you, you may, does that sound familiar you know what lucifer said to to eve did it did he really say that did these people actually believe or think that they could stop the preaching of the gospel they must have thought so but you know instead of stopping it Does not all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose? So was this God's will? It was God's purpose. It did not stop it. It furthered it. Paul said one time, all these things happened unto the furtherance of the gospel. All these things. In Psalms chapter 2, verse 1. Why do the heathen rage? Do you think these Sadducees? They were in a rage. (laughs) They are. They are mad. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? They imagine that they could stop the gospel. The kings of the earth, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands of sunder. Let us cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. He shall have them in derision. What does it mean God shall have them in derision? What God is saying, that he will bring forth his own purpose in spite of all the attempts of men to stop it. He he is saying, I will despise them and all their devices. You think you're going to stop the gospel? He will use it. The wrath of men shall praise him, and the remainder of it he will restrain. He shall bring their counsel to naught. Now, verse 19. So we see what they did. They laid hands on him, put him into common prison. But what's going to happen? You notice I point that out a lot. You notice that little three-letter word, but? It's just what they were going to do, but. You were dead in trespasses and sins, but God, who is rich in mercy. You know what happened? God but sinned. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and sinned. They's not a prison, they's not a guard strong enough to stop our God. And brought them out and said, what did he tell them? Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent them to the prison to have them brought they couldn't set themselves free. There's no way. Our Lord can and did. They want to keep these people separate. They want, Why did they put them in a prison cell? They wanted to control them. They wanted them to keep them from other people. They wanted them to think that they could control them. They wanted them to think that they could control what they said. But at night, in the darkness, as they sit there, they don't know how long they'll be in there. They don't know. But here comes our God. He sends an angel. Now, now we have the scriptures. We don't. We don't need angels. But remember, an angel spoke to Mary. An angel spoke to Joseph. Angel spoke many times in the Old Testament. And you remember an angel told Joseph said, "Don't go back to where Herod's at, because his son's reigning in his stead, and he'll kill the young child." And God said, an angel. What are angels? They're messengers. They're ministering spirits that are sent forth to them who are the heirs of salvation. This is also a picture of God's preachers are described as angels. They, this angel, brought to them the word of God. What are we going to do? He didn't just bring them out. Most of us, if we had come out, you know what would have happened? We would have ran. We would have ran for our life. We said, sure, we need to get out of Jerusalem. No. The angel says, go. Where do you want us to go? To the temple. Well, the Pharisees are in the temple. The high priest is in the temple. All them enemies, yeah, I know, that's where I want you to go. Right in the right under their nose. And you know, they didn't wait. If they had an alarm clock, they set it. And by the time the sun rises, then they open the gates to that temple and people start flooding into that temple. Here comes Peter and all the apostles preaching the gospel. Don't you see the humor God sent them right back there. They thought they'd stop it, and you know what? God just showed everybody that he's God. Don't touch. He said, don't you touch my anointed. These are my messengers. But you know what I also see? God, didn't, God, God came and brought them out at night, but he didn't leave them in the dark. He told him, I thought, well, what am I supposed to do now? Where am I supposed to go? Go, he said, you go to the temple. And he, said, and he told him what to say Go and stand, go and stand and speak in the apostles, I mean, go and stand and speak, verse 20, in the temple to the people. What are, the, what are they supposed to speak? All the words of this life. Life is in Christ he not only told them where to go, he told them what to say. And they did it that night and they brought them forth. Why, did, why do you think the Lord did it this way? To increase the confidence of the apostles by showing them that they were under the continual care of our God why does God put us in situations to teach us the trust him earlier I did the radio message and in there in Deuteronomy it said God humbled them and brought them to hunger why would God bring people to hunger so he could send them the manna <laughs> how often did he send the manna once a day why did he do it that way so you'll trust him God has to teach us every day to trust him. You get in prison, I'll bring you out. I'll set you free. And also to show the Jewish rulers that they were fighting against Christ while persecuting his followers. And they were attempting to prevent prevent them from preaching the gospel. And it was another way our gracious Lord gave the self-righteous. He was warning them. You know, God gives people warnings. When we get over to that part I made mention earlier about Herod, King Herod, when he killed James, he said it pleased the Jews. Can you imagine when, when they would put the, the Christians in the arenas and go in there and turn the, turn the wild lions on them and just tear them to the stretch? Oh, people just went crazy. The Jews loved it. He killed, just murdered him, killed him. Oh, they loved it. Well, the next day he he he's planning on killing Peter. Well, if they loved that, huh? They'll really love it when I kill Peter. And he's sitting there, clothed in his big robe, and he speaks. And you know what they said? It's the voice of a god, not of a man. Can you imagine what he thinks? And you know what? God struck him dead right there, and he's eaten up with worms. Our God is in the heavens; He does whatever He pleases. I believe, see, we shut some of them up, and he did. He warns them. Did he not warn Pharaoh? You know, it says, as I said, you know, why did they throw him in prison? You know what, you read the first chapter of Exodus, it says the more they afflicted them, the more they grew. The more they persecuted them, the more they went. It says, then they were all gathered together. The high priest, the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin were seven. They were seventy men that sat on the seats. So they were probably over a hundred men. You can imagine them all spread out. And they bring these twelve apostles in. And here's what they did. They said, We want you to go get them prisoners. Okay he goes to the prison, the guard's standing there, the door's locked, everything looks fine, till they open the door, and they find out they're gone. Can you imagine when he goes back over and tells them, uh, uh, sir, great high priest, they're not there. What do you mean they're not there? We locked them up. How can they be gone? I, all I know is they're not there. They're supposed to be there, but they ain't there. Well, then another guy comes running in, and he said, you ain't going to believe this. You won't believe this. You know the men we locked up in that prison? They're standing over in the temple, and they're preaching. If smoke could have come out their ears, it would have. They were mad. They were mad. Verse 22. And when the officer came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keeper standing without before the door. But when we opened, we found no man within. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, now watch this, they doubted wherein into these things would grow. Then came, verse 25, then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. There's a couple of ways you could look at that. The disciples gave no resistance. If they have given a resistance, then these people were listening to these men. They knew they were telling them the truth. They would had a right on their hands. And the disciples didn't want that. They said, okay, we'll we'll go with you. When they were reviled, they reviled not again. But notice that word. They were worried about how that might grow. They were concerned. If we don't stop this, how big is this thing going to get? Let me give you some scriptures. In, chapter, in Acts chapter 12, verse 24. Verse 20, Acts 12, 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Acts 19, 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. That's what they were afraid of. Where's this thing? If we don't stop this, where's it going to grow? How big's this thing going to get? Like I said there in in Exodus one twelve. but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. You know what I see here? I see Resurrection. Life. Life from the bondage. Matthew 27, 6, Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure into the third day unless the disciples come by night and steal him, steal him away and say to the people, they said, we, we've heard him say he may rise from the dead and we know what's going to happen. Them disciples will go and steal his body and they'll go around telling everybody he's risen from the dead. And we can't let that happen because the last thing would be worse than the beginning. And when our Lord did rise from the dead, they paid the guards off, and they said, okay, if somebody asks you, you tell them the disciples came and stole his body. Because we cannot let news get out that that man that we crucified, if, if word gets out that he's risen, that means we're a bunch of murderers. If they believe he's the Messiah, then they'll know we were murderers. We had a hand in this. And they did. We all did. They brought him and set them before the council and the high priest. They said, did not we straightly, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? Did you notice that? They wouldn't even use the name of our Lord. We told you not to teach in this name. And behold, you filled Jerusalem with this doctrine. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Do you remember what they said when they, when they stood and they cried, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate thinks he goes over and wash. He says, I can wash his blood off my hands. No, he, no, he can't get it off his hands. They said, we want Barabbas. Let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And it was. Let his blood be upon us and upon our children. Their worst fears have come true. They bring them without violence. They fear the people. But the disciples were not afraid. They thought they could intimidate them. They thought, the high priest asked them, did you all not hear what we said? Did you all not hear when I told you the first time? I told you not to preach in his name. I told you, did you not hear me? Yeah, we heard you. And he said, you know what makes a man? They filled all Jerusalem with this doctrine. Preach the word, be instant in and out of reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and what? Doctrine. Some people say, well, we just, we just don't preach doctrine. If you, if you preach the book, you've got to preach doctrine. Doctrine is just teaching. They were teaching those people that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one that hung upon the cross, has risen from the dead. You feel Jerusalem. You think about it. Jerusalem. Look at all that's happened in Jerusalem. It's the city of peace where King David reigned, where King Solomon reigned, where King Solomon built that temple, where God established his name. Now they won't even say his name. Does that not sound familiar? You feel Jerusalem. He said, you intend to bring this man's blood upon this, upon this. Listen, someone said this is a phrase signifying to hold or to prove one guilty of murdering the innocent. Because if what you say, they were saying, Peter, if what you say is true, he told them, he said, you took him, you took him, and by wicked hands, crucified him and slain him, but you just did exactly what God decreed for you to do, and you did it. They murdered him, slaughtered him. I know God's hand was it, it was God's sword, I understand that. But these people were responsible. The expression here charges them with desiring to prove that they had put Jesus to death when he was innocent to convince the people of this and thus to enrage them against the Sanhedrin. They didn't want people to get mad at the Sanhedrin and turn against them. And also to prove that they were guilty and were exposed to the divine de- vengeance for having put the Messiah to death. You know, I've actually heard people say, if they, they say, well, if I'd been in the crowd that day, I would have never said, crucify him, crucify. Every one of us did. Every one of us was there. If they'd asked us to vote either thumbs up or thumbs down, we'd all turn thumbs down. We'd all said, well, we want Barab. We want us a murderer. We will not have this man to reign over us. You can tell us anything else. You can tell us how good we are. But don't you tell me, don't talk to me about that Jesus. I've heard gospel preachers been criticized. All you do is preach Christ. Yep, that's exactly right. I have nothing else to say. Every scripture, this is what we're looking at tonight, we're seeing him. We're seeing him working in and through his church. Verse 29. what's Peter going to say to this? Not Peter just alone, but all the apostles. Then Peter and all the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man." They're put on the point. I mean, they're put on the spot. Who are you going to obey? And this is what the world wants to do. Who are you going to obey? Man or God? Every time I think about this, I think about a lady who used to play the piano, at Don Fortner's. And uh, she was, uh, she'd moved up in the bank. She was actually a vice president of a bank. And they met at Don's church on Tuesday nights. And they told her, we're going to have a board meeting every Tuesday night. You are required to be here. And she said, I can't be here. Can you imagine how shocked they were? They, they said, what do you mean you can't be here? I can't be here. We meet to worship on Tuesday night. They said, well, it might cost you your job. She said, you can keep your job if that's what it says. But I'm going to God's house, and I'm going to worship God. You know what happened? She kept the job. But she come to the house of God. Never forgot about it. It made an impression on me that that woman... It was not about money. money. It was not about the fame. It's not about the fame. It's not about any of that. It is about him. We ought to obey God. You know what God has in this mess? Disobedience. Disobedience. We're going to obey God rather than men. Basically, they said you can do what you want. That's what Martin Luther said. He said, here I stand. I can do no other. Do what you want to. I'm not changing. I'm not backing down. I'm not recanting. The Bible says the fear of men brings a snare, and this is how they work. I've heard some of you say you'd be caught in situations, and somebody makes statements that you blatantly knows just, and you know you just have to bite your tongue. Sometimes you just have to say something. The fear of men brings a snare. He said, "The God of our." Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hung on a tree. He accused him of it again, didn't he? Whom you slew and hung on a tree. But you know what they preached in the book of Acts? They preached an exalted Lord. They didn't preach someone that you're trying to make Lord or accept him as personal Savior. He said, him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince. He's the prince of peace. He's a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel. And it is a gift and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. That one that died, God raised him up. And you know what he is? He's a prince. He's a prince. You know, it's amazing how the media, they just, they, uh, as far as I know, there's only one they call prince. And, you know, if Prince William or Prince Charles or whatever, you know. then He's a real prince. And what that means? It means he's the heir to the throne. The Prince of Peace came and he, he conquered everything and he sat upon the throne. He's king. And we go, and they went telling these people that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's king. You're not. He hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. He's not only just a prince. He's a prince that shows mercy. He's a prince that shows forgiveness. All the common people hurt him gladly. Can you imagine, Linda? Always been told all your life you got to do work, you got to do this, you got to do that. And Christ comes and he says, I've fulfilled the law. It's all done. It's not due, it's done. Their hearts leap with joy. Well, why are we forgiven? He gave us forgiveness. It's not earned. And they said, we are all his witnesses. And if we are believers tonight, if we are believers tonight, we are witnesses of these things. You can't talk about someone you don't know. These men, to be an apostle, you had to have literally seen Jesus Christ in his resurrected body. And that's what Paul did. He said, I was one born at a due season. It's not hearsay. It's not say, well, this is what I've seen. And Sheryl said, well, I've never seen that. But if Cheryl saw it, I could, I'll stand up. I can witness to the fact he's alive. I can tell you tonight, I can tell you tonight that Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is sitting upon his throne. And if you've ever saw him, you can witness to that. And you know what you say? Amen. You know why? Here's here's when he's delivered. Here's when I can tell you, I can testify. You know what a witness also is? It is a martyr, a martyr. And when they heard this, this is something they never heard before. They were cut to the heart. That's what the gospel does. These apostles didn't go in with a sword strapped on their side. They had the sword. It's sharper than a 2 edged It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts going in and it cuts coming out. It's not, only just, it's not just a defensive weapon, it's an offensive weapon. When it say on the Day of Pentecost. They were cut to the heart. They were wounded. Wounded. And that right there is why men hate the gospel. Nothing else will do that. But you know what the Bible says? He wounds and then he heals. You know, one of those who I assume, I don't know as for sure. You know, somebody that I, uh, I think that might have been sitting there in one of them in, with the Sanhedrin that day? You know who was one of the Sanhedrin? A man named Saul of Tarsus. And when we get over in the next chapter or two, when Stephen stands to preach, Paul's standing there consenting to, he has this man stoned to death. Just in a, few, in a few chapters, God opens that man's eyes. You know why? He said, It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. God wounds. Well, what if He didn't heal it? It's a wound of death. But those that God determines to save, He wounds, and then He heals. He kills. He's got to kill your damnable pride, He kills and he makes alive. What a gospel. What a Lord. I love to see God set sinners free. I love to see men disturbed. They need to be disturbed they, when they were cut to the heart. Oh, can you imagine they actually, maybe they were convicted. Men can be convicted and not be ever be converted. Their hearts maybe convicted them. Their conscience convicts them. Now live with that. Now live with that on your mind. You killed the Son of God. Our Lord said when He hung upon the cross, "Father, forgive them. They know not what they do." But what's amazing is this is how God saves His people. They persecute. And God's people stand there and just tell them. They said, We're just witnesses. All we're just doing is telling what we've seen and heard. I remember when Paul stands before King Agrippa, he said, Almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Felix trembled.